Are you ready for the Word of God? I know you just sat down. Let's stand back up. Hebrews chapter 11. I'm in a series in a series. And somebody's like, oh, you're just doing a series in a series so you can take longer to preach. I'm like, yes. Um, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. That's all we're covering today. And it's going to be a struggle to cover it. So I hope you're ready to move fast. Put your go-fasters on. Those are shoes. And get ready to move. All right? So that's what we're going to do. I underlined all the words I want you to speak today to make it easier. You're welcome. Now, faith is the... That was so good. Like, ah. Let's do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Okay. Now, faith is the... Of things hoped for the of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their by faith we that the universe was by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are this is the word of God. You may be seated. As we jump into this passage, it is it's Hebrews chapter eleven. Um, and it's a chapter that we often refer to as being the heroes of faith. I, I, I've entitled, of course, as you've seen, a, a series called Admire. Who is it that you admire? So I'm not going to go into a bunch of stories right now about who, who you admire and stuff like that, but I'll give you some generalities, okay, because I think you understand what it is. Today, if we look at people we admire, maybe that's a good thing for you to even do. Get out a sheet of paper, get out your phone, whatever it is, and write down two or three people you admire and then later on, you can share that with a friend uh, or a family member and say, here are some people you admire. But then you have to say, why? Because today, when we look at who we admire, uh, we, we typically will look at someone who has everything together. Oh, man, they just got it all together. Or maybe they make a certain income or they have a certain job. Someone who maybe their kids are a particular way and we're like, oh, I wish my kids were like that. Um, the society will sometimes say that we admire people who will express their desire over anything else no matter what, right? We, we, we have defined or determined who we admire often by what someone does rather than who they are. That's my struggle with life right there. Some people are like, don't you want to meet this person or meet this person? How about this person who's an amazing musician or this person who can really is a great athlete? Honestly, I really don't care about what you do. I care about who you are as you do it. I just I don't care if somebody's put up on a pedestal because of what they do. I care about if they use what they do to give glory to God. And today, when we think about people we admire, we often think about people who maybe they're a particular, you know, they're a basketball player and they can do this or they can do this. Well, that's because of what they do. I don't care if you're a good basketball player. I care if you give God glory as you play basketball in all things. And that doesn't mean you prayed with your teammate once three years ago and now look at me, I'm using it to glorify God. I don't care if you're a great musician unless you use those abilities to give glory to God. I don't care if you're great at finance unless you give glory to God. I don't care if you're a great physician unless you give glory to God, a great teacher unless you give glory to God. Our life as a believer is all about giving glory to God. And so when we look at these people that we admire, we need to go ahead and just call out that sometimes we get confused about who we admire. Let's just acknowledge it right now. Sometimes we admire people for the wrong thing. And then we begin to justify it. But this is a great way to say it. 
right here on your screen. We often admire people for elevated worldly characteristics, not for biblical attributes. That's not it. That's, come on. We'll get, hopefully they'll get there in a second. So just know that. We often admire people for elevated worldly characteristics, not for biblical attributes. You need to know why you admire someone. Somebody even recently said, I'm like, who do you, who do you admire the most? They look at me and they're like, oh, I just admire my father. I said, why? Well, he raised me. I said, okay, that's cool, but why? Know who you admire. Know what that means for you because here in Hebrews chapter 11, it's going to force us to to almost explore what it is to admire someone. And it's going, I'm inviting you in over the next several weeks. I'm inviting you to join me on an exploration of faith. I'm inviting you to join me on an exploration of faith and to determine where you are in faith and if you actually even have faith. So we start looking at this passage. In fact, this is one way to think about the people we admire and whether or not we have faith or not. Because faith, uh, sometimes the people we admire, um, they, they need to be people of faith, by the way. So that's why it's going to go through this list. It's Hebrews chapter 11 is going to go through a bunch of people to help us go, man, keep the faith, stay courageous, look at these people, and admire them. Now, these are some people who probably would not be on our list if we made a list. I'm not going to even get to the list today. I'm getting to, it starts in verse 4. I'm getting to verse 3. Um, but we sometimes wouldn't put those. So you got murderers on the list and everything else. But they were people of faith. So we're going to look at this. This is what A.W. Tozer says, a theologian and author from a while back. He says this in the dwelling place of God. He says, true faith is not passive but active. Now keep this up here because this is the thing. We often speak about love as, an, as a verb, right? It means it's an action. You're with me? Love is an action. Say love is an action. Now say faith is an action. Faith is an action too. It's more than just this ambiguous concept that we have. Faith, true faith is not passive but active. It requires that we meet certain conditions, that we allow the teachings of Christ to dominate our total lives from the moment we believe. Now listen just to this. Faith requires, right? This is something important. It requires that we meet certain conditions that we allow the teachings of Christ to dominate, the teachings of Christ to rule, the teachings of Christ to dictate everything in our life from the moment we say, yes, I believe in Jesus. Which means that faith is far more than a practice Faith is who we are as people. We're going to keep going with this because then it says, The man of saving faith must be willing to be different from others. According to the word of God, you are to look different from everybody else. So if you want to wake up every day and make sure you look the part and that everybody looks at you and says, Man, look at them. They they belong. They're accepted. Listen, I don't have to worry about things the same way because I'm already accepted by Jesus. That's what faith does. The effort to enjoy the benefits of redemption while enmeshed in the world is futile. Can't happen. So if you're consumed by the things of the world and yet you're saying that you're a person of faith, the two of those things collide. Right? They just, they just separate from each other. Cannot happen. So we must choose one or the other. Make a choice. 
That's why I just, I, I'm inviting you on an exploration of faith over the next several weeks to see where you really are and who you really are. To help you make a choice. To help you make a choice. We must choose one or the other. And faith quickly makes its choice. One from which there is no retreat. So this is what we're going to be talking about. Are we truly people of faith? Because we know that faith is active. And so in order to jump into this, before I go into Hebrews chapter 11, I'm going to start in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35, right prior, you know, just prior to this. And I want to remind you of who the author is writing to. So here's the author. And this letter is intended to encourage Christian or, or Jewish Christians. People who would practice the Mosaic law, people who would adhere to the Torah, first five books of the Old Testament, right? The Pentateuch. They would look at that and go, yeah, they're trying to practice it, but they're being discouraged. They're being discouraged by people who are religious. They were being discouraged by the people who went before they came because they're like, hey, what's wrong with the way we did things? Just do what we did. Now, I'm going to go ahead and address this right now. If you have children, will you please raise your hand? That's the majority of you. If you've ever been anybody's child, please raise your hand. (laughs) A couple of you didn't raise your hand. We're going to talk to you after the service. Parents, whether you're online, whether you're sitting right here, I'm just going to hand address this because this, I think this is a giant, giant issue for us today. One of the greatest problems we have with faith today is that we pray that our kids, that they would be safe, healthy, and comfortable. That's what we really pray for our kids. They would be safe, healthy, and comfortable. And then hopefully be people of faith so that they could have eternal life so that we get to be with them forever and ever. It's kind of how we, how we kind of roll. And one of the, the problems that I have with people and that I see after almost, I've been in ministry almost 30 years, and this is something that I see all the time, is that when a child starts growing beyond the faith of the parent, the parent gets bitter and insecure, and it creates major issues in the relationship. But you should be praying every day that your children are greater in, your, in their faith than you are in your faith. Listen, I'm praying all the time that both my boys and both my girls are greater in their faith than in my faith. The the resiliency and the the endurance and the perseverance that they're going to need is far greater than what I've had. So I'm praying that their faith would be greater than my faith. And what we do is, I want their faith to be great. But then when their faith starts to challenge and we look at them, we go like, well, what's wrong with what we did? You ever said that before? What's wrong with the way we did it growing up? Because that's why our world doesn't know Jesus anymore. 80% of people in the 50s went to church in this nation. Now we're down to roughly 20. So don't tell me that it was working. Because we took faith as a practice rather than faith as being a lifestyle. I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm not trying to tick you off. I'm just simply letting you know that in any other model, that would be considered failure. 80% to 20. Yes or no? And it's because we understand faith as being a practice rather than faith as being a lifestyle. It's who we are, and it dominates our life and everything. 
Truly, and, and you're going, man, man, he's just like riled up. I'm not riled up. This is my life. I will preach the gospel no matter what. You can go, well, what if we all leave? I will preach the gospel no matter what because preaching the gospel is the way we live our life. So Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35, here he is writing to these Jewish Christians who are being discouraged because they're not continuing the faith as a practice the same way other people did. And so then mom and dad and grandma and granddad get upset. And so after time, it creates uh, this splinter in relationships. Anybody seen this before ever? Can we mature a little bit? Everybody please say yes. Awesome. You just agree. Okay. Verse 35, therefore, do not throw away your confidence. We're ripping the confidence away from so many because they're not practicing the faith the way that we did. Oh. Oh. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance. You need to persevere so that we, when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. When will you receive what God promised? When you do the will of God. Now, get the order right. We often want God to do the godly and do this in our life and do this in our life and do this in our life. And then we'll be like, oh, yeah, I want to be obedient to you. No, we are to be faithful. And as a result of being faithful, then we're able to experience the fulfillment of God. Get it right. Right? This is why we we struggle so much with God because we flip it. Well, if God does what I want, then I'm going to be faithful. No, we're to be faithful because we know our brokenness and now what he has done for us. As a result of that, we now get to step into a greater fellowship with him and experience what he can do. Are you following me? Do you not see this as a problem today? Anybody see this as a problem as our understanding of God today? It's called theology. We have messed up theology. Your theology is your understanding of who God is. So then he says, For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by what? Yeah. We shall live by? We shall live by? You got to get it. This is Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14. Galatians speaks about this as well. Right? It's just over and over and over. Galatians 3, verse 11. The righteous shall live by faith. If we desire to be righteous, that means we have to live by faith. You can't be righteous and not live by faith. So if faith is just a practice and not a lifestyle, you're missing it. You're not getting it. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. The righteous shall live by faith. But if you, if you shrink back, oh, I don't know. It's just going to be a practice for me. My soul is not pleased in him. I'm going to live by faith. The righteous shall live by I should underline everything for you guys. The righteous shall live by Okay, so if we know that, if you shrink back, oh, boy. We start to understand. This is the word of God, by the way. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. No. We are of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Faith is a lifestyle, not an event. Faith is a lifestyle, not a practice of just showing up at church. 
It's not a concept, but an understanding of the way we are to live life. And if we desire to be righteous, we will strive to have a lifestyle of faith. And if you live by faith, if you're righteous, you get to live a life in which you now are experiencing God fulfilling his word. So that's why we're on this. uh, We've got to know, are you truly a person of faith? Or are you just simply a person of practice? You've got to know the difference between the two. So we're going to explore these two ideas over the next several weeks. We're going to explore what faith is. It's a great way to even take notes is to say, okay, what, what, what faith is and what faith is not. Those are the two things that we're going to be looking at. What faith is, what faith is not. And you can just, if you write what faith is, leave some blanks. <laughs> leave some space and then what faith is not. And we get to explore this together and help sharpen one another and make sure that we're looking at the Word of God and that we're actually living by faith. Because these are important things to discover. And so here we go with Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. NLT, then that's the ESV, the New Living Translation, says faith shows a reality of what we hope for. It is evidence of things we cannot see. Now, as we jump into this, um, was, um, Tony Evans, maybe you've heard of him before from Texas, uh, this awesome pastor, and, um, and he can preach. And he talks about our faith is linked to substance. Right? Our faith is linked to substance. And this is interesting because he's saying that faith is directly linked to the substance of that that we have faith in. So a lot of times, if you have very little faith in something, it will, like, you can have faith in something in the world, and guess what? If you have faith in something in the world, it's going to fail you at some point. But if you have faith in the eternal, it will not fail you, will not forsake you, will not abandon you, will not do all these things. So you have to determine where are you actually in faith. What, what are you placing your faith in? And, and that very thing that you're placing faith in, is that what type of substance does it have? Right? You, you may place your faith in wealth, and yet we all know, like I can tell you stories, other people I know they can tell you stories of where they've had and where they have had not. <laughs> and they've lost it all. And so we have to examine where that substance is for us because our faith is tied to, to the substance that we have placed in the faith that we have. Upostasis is the Greek word here in terms of looking at this initial idea of assurance. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Faith is the assurance. Faith is the con- another way to say it is faith is the, the confidence of what faith cultivates. You know deep and down that you believe in who God is and what he has done, that he will do all that he has promised to do. It's just in you. And our faith needs to make our hope tangible. It becomes reality for us. For us, Faith makes the invisible visible. And just being very, very honest with you is often in my life, if I look back, sometimes my faith has tried to squeeze God into my image rather than for my image to become like his. 
Right? Sometimes I try, to, I try to force something to happen. I try to make something to happen. And I place greater faith in me than placing it in the hands of God who can do whatever he wants with it. And as I've, as I've learned to just open up my hands and say, God, it's yours, and I have faith in who he is, one, I have far less stress on my life. Two, it always ends up being better. <laughs> Go figure. My faith sometimes, and maybe your faith sometimes, can be more about us obtaining more from God rather than our faith being about experiencing more of God. And if your faith is about obtaining more from God, if he would do this for me, if he would do this for me, if he would do this for me, rather than experiencing and walking in a greater relationship with God, you don't understand it. You're likely a person who's practicing something rather than abiding in faith, abiding in him, John 15. So faith leads us to this understanding that God, friends, God knows. This is what faith does. It lets you know that God understands your weaknesses, your frailties, and your insecurities. He already knows them all. But he loves you anyway. He knows the hate that's in your heart. He knows the bitterness that's in your heart. But he loves you anyway. Faith is knowing that, that we have that which we do not deserve. Faith is embracing the realization that God has revealed himself in the most powerful way through his son, Jesus Christ. So faith is the assurance of things hoped for. We have this confidence, this assurance. What, what faith is, is a confidence and an assurance that God is God and he will do everything he has said. Remember, biblical definition of hope is not wishful thinking, it's confidence. You know it's true. We have, we've convoluted our understanding of hope. So it's the assurance of things hoped for. Second thing it is, it's the conviction of things not seen. It's the conviction of things not seen. Elingos is the Greek word here. This conviction. Now, conviction, it tells us this is what faith is. Assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. Assurance and conviction. We love assurance, don't we? Like if, if you invest your finances with me and I promise you a return of 20%, would you do it? It's the first time that person's ever spoken church. They're like, take it all. Um, if I promise you 20%, you know you're going to have that assurance of 20% re uh, return, right? Compounding interest, interest is a marvelous thing. You take it all day, and if not, I really need a, like, I need a brain examination. So um, you know, you're like, yeah, I want that. We love assurance. We want assurance. We would go to bed at night with more peace, likely, if we had the assurance of knowing that we would make 20%. We love assurance. Do we love conviction? Eh. You got to remember, I'm the guy who's like, hey, thanks, worship was good, but we're not coming back because there's too much conviction in your services. And yet, what is faith? Assurance and conviction. God speaking into your life. It's what it is. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. I'm not even on verse 1 yet. We're going. 
We start looking at this, here's what faith is, and yet we know it's by faith that we have been saved, yes or no? So if we want to have, do you want to be righteous? That means we have to be people of faith, the righteous shall live by faith, and if we want to be people of faith, then we know that it's this assurance, this confidence that we have, but it's also this conviction of the things that are unseen. The conviction of things not seen. And the presence of our conviction that God speaks of into our lives is so powerful and it is so uncommon and it's linked to the depth of our faithfulness. Our conviction is one of the most powerful things we have in life and yet we have stepped away from it because many people today would rather have convenience rather than conviction. Now there's two things to link together. We'd rather have conviction, uh, convenience rather than having conviction. We have far too many people, and I, just, I put it up here for you so you can see it. We have far too many people living by preference and convenience rather than by conviction. The life of the believer is not to live a life of comfort, which that's what we want, though. We want safe, healthy, and comfortable, and yet Scripture never promises that. Never. You cannot show it to me. It says you better get ready to endure and persevere. Oh. Right? I'll go all day with that. Let's get the word of God out. And so too many of us are wanting to have preference and convenience rather than conviction. The life of the believer is not to have live a life of comfort, but conviction allows you to know when you should no longer be comfortable with life. That's what makes you wake up and go, whoa. That's why I say conviction is a blessing. It truly is. But yet many of us who grew up in the West, right, we grew up and we're like, no, we want safety, health, comfort. That's what we want. And so when things convict, we often turn away from it and we walk back and we, we do everything we can to protect. Friends, the church needs no protecting. We need no protecting. He's already, Jesus Christ has already done everything he needs to do for us. We're good to go. But does your faith allow you to believe that, to have assurance in that? Or is it just a practice for you? This is what faith is. Faith is not a feeling of optimism. It's not. F faith is not just an assume the best attitude. It's not even an intellectual agreement of belief. When we look at our life with God, if we're we really want to look in the mirror, our struggle is with faith. Like, I'd rather just acknowledge it. Our struggle is often with faith, whether or not we're really going to live by faith. And we can say that we have faith in certain things, like some of us will simply, we'll start rattling off the things that we've always heard about faith, right? We have, I wrote some down. We, we have faith that Forgiveness is found in Jesus. In fact, if you, if you, I'm going to call out some things, and um, you can say amen if you agree, okay? Do you have faith that we have forgiveness in Jesus? Do you have faith that we'll be re reunited with our loved ones who knew Jesus? Do you have faith that God will never leave us nor forsake us? Do you have faith that Jesus will return in a physical, after a physical death, and in that we are ushered into his presence? But do you have faith? That we get to sit with him every day and live out a life 
and which gives glory to him, a life of conviction, a life that leads to passion and transformation. That's what we have to examine. But even if you, you could get a chart, you could put it, get a graph, right? Or if you took a sheet of paper and maybe I should have done this and like, it just says faith graph on it and or faith scale. And on one side you have, man, um, I believe God is here to meet my needs. And on the other side it just says faith, assurance and confidence of who God is, conviction of those things not even seen. Where are you living on that scale? Where are you living on that graph of faith? What does that look like for you? Verse 2, for by it the people of old received their commendation. For by it the people of old, by faith now it says, so they received their condemna- uh, commendation, they, they received a testimony, and then it says, for by it the people of old received it, right? That's what you have to understand. That's what you have to understand. For by it, the people of old received their commendation, their testimony, their reputation. Now remember, the the Jewish Christians, they were thinking about giving up on Jesus because the people of faith who had it as a practice, they they kept beating them down going, what's wrong with the way we've been doing it? Moms, dads, grandparents, what's wrong with the way we've been doing it? All that is is giant, and and when you say that, When somebody's growing in their faith, they're wanting to be more passionate in their life toward Jesus Christ, and it bothers you, hello, insecurity. Can we mature a little bit? I mean, this, you want to talk about things I witness? I witness believers getting upset with other believers because they're growing and they're not. So they're going, wait, I, I'm, I feel like I'm giving up. And they're going, no, no, don't, don't. The author's saying, don't give up. You're going to receive your testimony. You're going to get your reputation. Like, that's one of the things you have to know. If you're a person of faith, you actually have a particular reputation. Like, what's your rep? What, what is your reputation with those around you? Your reputation shouldn't be, oh, man, they go to church. Your reputation means like, man, they're sold out for Jesus. They have so much faith in Jesus Christ, and there's the conviction that they live by is incredible. I don't even know if I agree with it, but, man, you will stand apart. You will stand apart from other people in your life. So there it is. It's like for by it, the people of old received their commendation. They received their their testimony. So he's going to call this out about people in the Old Testament, people like Abraham, people like Sarah, people like Enoch. We're going to walk through these people, people like Moses. He's like, no, this is how they received their testimony. They received their testimony, and he's going to use for the Jewish Christian people who had a practice, who then it turned into a, a passionate faith, he's going to use them as an example of this is what you should model after. For by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. John 1.1, Genesis 1.1. So this is fascinating. So in order to help us today 
to recognize what it is to live by faith, he goes back to the very beginning of creation, Genesis chapter 1. Right? In Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God, or Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning. So by faith, we understand that the universe is created by the word. And so here he is. He's like, man, if you really want to be a person of faith, you have to have the faith. Like, just like you know that you can't have the creator without the creator. You can't have the creator without the creator. And so he's saying just the same way. Listen, if you want to be a person of faith, let's go back to what type of faith you have in that. And so in Genesis, he's saying in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Listen, don't you understand? Right here in verse 3. By faith, we understand that the universe, some verse, uh, translations say the, uh, the worlds, which means the, all the universe, same thing. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And that's why we struggle with faith is because today we are so arrogant as humans that we simply will not believe anything that we cannot explain. We will not believe anything unless we can understand all of it. And so we want to have the mind, the full thinking of God in order to believe in God. We want to know fully the creator before the created believes. It doesn't work that way. And I will tell you right now that we, I think in many regards, in many regards... I think we have just fallen prey to the world to not recognize that God created. And we've been hoodwinked in this idea of evolution. That all of a sudden, mysteriously, things collided together and mysteriously, all of a sudden, we're some amoeba and some thing starts growing and we turn into a monkey and then a monkey turns into a man. And then all of a sudden, look at us today, we can create all this. There is a creator, his name is God, and we are his created. And so he's saying, if you have faith in that, don't you have faith in me? The divine utterance spoke, and it was. That's why we get to be on this exploration today of faith, this exploration of am I truly a person of faith or do you, are you just a person of practice? There is such a difference between the two. But this, is, this is what it really means. Real faith, and I just want to close on this. Here's what real faith means. And this is what we gain for the first three verses. Real faith means assurance, the assurance of things hoped for. We have this confidence, right? That's what it tells us. Faith is. If we know that salvation is in faith alone, you can't be good enough, you'd really pay, you need to really pay attention to verse 1. So we know that it's a confidence and assurance of things hoped for. We know that it's a conviction of things unseen. Like we just, you just know, and you're all in on it. And you don't have to understand, and you don't have to, you don't have to be God in order to say, oh, now I trust in God, right? This is conviction, this assurance and conviction. But also, it tells us that we have a reputation. 
we now have a witness. We have a, we have a testimony. If you're a person of faith, you have a testimony with people around you. You have a testimony. And they're going to look at you as though you're a bit peculiar. I'm used to it. It's all good. You get, you get used to it. You get used to it. It's all good. But also you have certainty. Just as you have certainty in God created the heavens and the earth, you now have certainty that God created you, that even though he knows your frailties and your insecurities and your weaknesses and your sin, he loves you anyway. Yeah. And this just starts this incredible chapter on what it is to be a person of faith. Are you a person of faith? Like, can you go, yeah, here are my convictions. Yeah. Here here, here are my convictions. Let's go. Here's what I have assurance in. Here's a certainty that I have in who Christ is. Here's my witness. Here's my testimony. Are you a person of faith? I'm just sitting for a moment because what I don't want is for you to make an assumption that because you have a practice of coming to church, that that means that you're a person of faith living out the word of God. Don't mess this up. Don't mess this up. Will you surrender to the authority of Jesus? God, I come before you. Give us great faith. Please, Lord, may every single child and man and woman in this place, may we all truly evaluate whether or not we're people of practice or if we're people of faith. And I know that practice can be part of our faith, but God, let that not be the overruling thing. Let us be people of faith who in our conviction and in the conviction that you give, may we know assurance of who you are. May we have certainty in who you are. Because I know that changes our life forever. So we come, Lord. And we offer ourselves. In Christ's name, amen.